You're listening to the Inside North Central Massachusetts podcast, powered by the North Central Massachusetts Chamber of Commerce and regional leaders like Bemis Associates. Let's make amazing. Hello and welcome to the Inside North Central Massachusetts podcast. Travis Condon, Cat Deal, as we continue our On the Road series. And as part of Manufacturers Month, we're in Fitchburg today at 117 Industrial Road. And Cat, where are we and who are we speaking with? Well, today we are over at Rochelot Tool and Die Company, and we are with President Steve Rochelot. Steve, thank you for opening your doors and letting us sort of invade your space today. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for, thanks for coming out and having a little chat here today. You know, Manufacturing Month is something that we celebrate at the Chamber. We are in a really heavy manufacturing region. It is a long legacy to have manufacturing here. So can you do me a favor and tell our listeners a little bit about what Rochelot actually manufactures? Sure. Um, we um, we manufacture uh, machinery to make plastic items. Um, we we uh, primarily work in the packaging industry. Um, so a lot of food packaging is a big percentage of our, our work, um, although there's a lot of industrial applications. So here um, in our main shop, we have uh, CNC machining, we're, we're fabricating parts, we're designing parts, we have engineering, we have the on-the-floor manufacturing of parts, then we assemble machinery, and we would have a project that somebody might say, I need to make 20 million gallon bottles a year, what do I need to do to do that? So we would design the machinery, build it, run it here for like a factory acceptance test, and then break it down and ship it somewhere around the world that's going to go into a packaging application. And then we have, in 2014, we opened a second facility that we actually run plastic bottles, um, and we service um, the the, lo- the dairy industry around New England and the mid-Atlantic states. So we make gallon, half-gallon, quart, pint bottles, a lot of... Uh, Cider. Uh, this is now being cider season. Yeah. So our good friends like at Red Apple Farm, if you buy cider from, from Al Rose, you're going to be drinking cider from one of our bottles. That's so, amazing. Yeah, That's amazing. Yeah. And, you know, Kat and I were actually on your website and we were yeah. looking through some of the different pictures and some of the applications. And I think a lot of folks will be surprised to learn how many products are either in their fridge or under their kitchen cabinets or their bathroom cabinets that the packaging is actually either made here or made by a company that uses a Rochelot tool and die machine? Right, right. Yeah, and it's it's funny because there's a lot of applications that are very well known. Like if you go to McDonald's, this eight ounce bottle of milk, if you get a Happy Meal and you get milk, this is... They're all made on our equipment. Most of them are made on our equipment around the country. And then things like Poland Springs water, two and a half gallon bottle like you might buy to put on your counter with the push-pull spout. Those are all made on our equipment. (laughs) So some things, you know, in the pandemic, when everybody needed uh, bleach and Clorox wipes and the canisters with the wipes, very big percentage of those wipes are made on our equipment. So there's a lot of things like that that you might, recognize and be very um, consumer recognizable. Then there are small companies that we do things with, industrial items that make, um, there's a little end that goes on a pump system to suck fluid out of a tank. And we make this little bellows part that helps keep the pipe close to the bottom of the tank so that all the fluid can come out and not leave residue in the bottom of the tank. And they might make 10,000 pieces a year but that's their business. Right. It's not 10 million bottles, it's 10,000 industrial pieces. So 
it could be anything in between. And, you know, one of the, a neat thing we did last year was a small machine that made a water reservoir in the tape applicator machine in most of the Amazon facilities. Everybody, okay. who, gets a, who gets an Amazon box with mm. a mm. corrugated box and the, <laughs> the, the paper tape that yeah. seals the box? The paper tape needs to be wetted before it goes onto the box. Okay. It's so Amazon has hundreds of these tape machines in different areas. Yeah. And they make this reservoir to go in the tape machines to apply the water to the, and, the paper And your tape machine and makes our the machine reservoir. makes that reservoir. Okay, so. ballpark figure, Steve. And you did not know I was going to ask this, so it's okay if you don't know. How many products do you think are out on the market that are part of your machinery that made it or you made it? Ooh, hmm. I don't know. That's a big number probably, <laughs> right? So there's, um, we probably, we have a, probably a couple thousand machines installed around the world and some of them make more than one product. Right. So mm -hmm. yeah, it's, it's thousands. So a lot of people think about what's in your house. It's yeah. Personal care, right? So everything, shampoo, mm -hmm. um, everything that's in your shower, then you think what's under my sink, dishwashing. So different bleaches, cleaners, uh, pet supplies. You might have a plastic container with a, a handle and a big wide mouth for ice melt on your on your deck for the coming winter, right? That could be there's then um, we don't make we don't make large items, but things like a trash can um, with a rolling wheels. Mm -hmm. We have some customers that make the wheels that go on trash cans. So it's, <laughs> and it's your machines that make those wheels. That make those wow. wheels, right? Yeah. So it could be it could be a variety of things, like I said, but a lot. The biggest volume of things for us now is certainly packaging. So sure. food or consumer goods is the biggest volume. And then the fun industrial things are neat to work on because it's something a little different. Yeah. And for your engineers, they've got to feel like kids in a candy store. The fact that they actually get to build these machines that are building these other products. So they have to design right. each little component that goes into that machine. Yeah, we try to. We try to design things in a way that we can utilize some common components as often as possible for mm -hmm. cost effectiveness, mm -hmm. but there's a certain percentage of every job that ends up being very custom and designed for purpose. So, yeah, and it's neat. So we do projects around the world. A big percentage is here in the States, but we sell, some years, half of our machinery leaves the country. So it's kind of neat. We're a small company here in North Central Mass, and we might do a project in anywhere from Australia to Indonesia, Thailand, Saudi Arabia, Latin America, anywhere, Canada, Mexico. That's amazing. So we're not smart enough to say no to most people. So <laughs> <laughs> we'll do we'll do whatever we can do, right? And, and go anywhere and follow it. And so I saw a post on social media too that a lot of these clients end up becoming repeat customers. Mm -hmm. And as right. their business changes, right. uh, you're ready to meet that change. I right. understand there's a company in Mexico you recently shipped, was it a fourth medical fourth, yeah. machine? Yeah. So this company makes uh, like kidney dialysis solutions and, and medical uh, different solutions that are used in, in uh, medical procedures and they make their packaging um, on our machinery. So yeah, they've, they've continued to grow um, with us. And, and as they've grown, they've just keep adding, adding additional equipment to handle additional capacity needs. Was, was medical equipment something that was new to the building of the tooling, or was that something that you guys have always been working on? There's always some medical products. Um, 
we don't deal with medical device as far as things that are like embedded in your body. Okay. It's more for <laughs> um, or med, or delivery products like a syringe or something. That's probably a, a little outside of what we do. We do more support of medical. Like during again during COVID, we ended up with a really large project that was making little eyedroppers, test tube eyedroppers uh, for COVID test kits. And it was a, a program that uh, the president of the United States had kind of pushed a big medical device company really hard to increase their capacity during COVID. And we stepped up and, and did a um, 50 specialty machines. They were smaller, a little bit smaller size machine, but we did 50 machines specifically for them Wow. for making eyedroppers for COVID test kits. And we wow. had to deliver it within 10 months. And those oh machines are made right here in Fitchburg. They were made, we made all those machines here and it was it was crazy. It was all hands on deck. We had people in the office working out in the shop. We had people working nights and weekends. We had subcontractors that we were able to get a hold of. And, and then the big fear was being able to get raw materials because... Mm-hmm. Like all our machine guarding, you things you don't think about has Lexan windows. Well, what happened during COVID? Everybody's buying Lexan to make dividers between the cashier oh and the restaurant tables. And it's like, we can't get <laughs> some materials because people are buying it that never bought that stuff oh, before. Oh, wow. Right? So it's the, uh, the consequences of things that people don't think about. If they're outside of manufacturing, they don't realize the effects of supply chain and how that affected our ability to make product. Yeah. Now, do you find that those some of those difficulties are still existing with the supply chain, or has it kind of balanced out now where we're in 2023, we're kind of three years into this? It's getting better, but there are still, there are still issues and things that used to be, you call a catalog, or somebody like a Granger, typical supply, industrial supply, and you'd have it the next day. And now there are certain, there are still items that you might wait four, five, six weeks, 10 weeks. And mm-hmm. it's a big, still a big problem. Some of the complex items are hard to get. Uh, it's not uncommon. I talk to a lot of other people, our industry peers that, that make machinery and they'll, they'll have machines that are 90% done waiting for one component and they can't ship, they can't complete. And they're three, four, five months late but they can't do it because they're, they're missing a component. It's not uncommon. It's better today than it was six months ago or mm-hmm. a year ago, but it, it's still it's still there. We're going to step aside for a quick moment, but we'll be back here on the Inside North Central Massachusetts podcast. Why should your business be a member of the North Central Massachusetts Chamber of Commerce? It's actually quite simple. The Chamber is dedicated to protecting and promoting the local business community. Our primary goals? To advance the region, help business owners network and grow, and to advocate on behalf of the business community. Joining the Chamber makes good business sense. We invite you to join the nationally recognized North Central Massachusetts Chamber today. Call 978-353-7600 or visit northcentralmass.com. Welcome back to the Inside North Central Massachusetts podcast as we continue to celebrate Manufacturing Month. We're over in Fitchburg at Roshlow Tool and Die Company on Industrial Road. We're chatting with president and third generation member of the Roshlow family, Steve Roshlow. Earlier, before we started um, recording the podcast, we were talking with some of the other um, folks here at Roshlow Tool and Die about there's also a shortage of people. And the manufacturing industry has seen that shortage. Um, since COVID and things, you know, people sort of looked at their lives a little differently. And do you see a change in your employment in terms of 
more people are becoming interested in manufacturing because I think everybody realized how important manufacturing was during COVID. And I know you guys are still hiring as well. Yeah, it's... I, I don't know how to explain it, Kat. It's a funny. It, it's funny because there's a lot of need. There's a lot of need in manufacturing. Yeah. There's a lot of need in in every business right now, and and I, it's it's just a weird disconnect of where people are, and where they're working, and why there's so many openings. It's it's hard to explain, but there is a strong. There, there's been an uptick in manufacturing. It's a steady steady business right now. So. And I think there's there's been a wave of more awareness, um, and we work hard, like even through the chamber and different programs, coordinating with um, educators in the area, both at the high school and, and college levels and the community college levels, trying to make a connection in um, realizing there are pathways for people to be very successful that can include manufacturing that a four-year college degree is not necessarily everybody's path right and there are there are good there are good paths to really good careers that are alternate than what you know 10 years ago everybody was pushed you have to get a degree right. or you're going to be you're going to be stuck in a dead-end job right so you know there's there's a lot of people making a lot of money <clears throat> in manufacturing I think a lot of that too has to do with perception, realizing that it's not how it was, say, when your your grandfather's manufacturing <laughs> or even your parents' yeah. manufacturing. Yeah. You know, the shop floor is a lot different nowadays and the products that you make are a lot different now. And it's an entirely different industry. Is that correct? That's ab absolutely correct. And the skills required for people on the floor are a lot more demanding. It's not standing in front of a machine, pushing a button and hitting reset and go, it is, it's very interactive. There's a lot of, um, there's automation. There's things that are, that are connected to what you're manufacturing that people need the ability to troubleshoot. Mm -hmm. um, they need the ability to understand hydraulics, electronics, uh, different servo driving motors and things. And it's, it's even on our manufacturing with CNC equipment, our guys program their own machines. We don't have a programmer that sends something out and they just load a machine and hit a button. It's people that are figuring out, they get a print and they got to figure out how am I going to program and do this. So yep. um, it's a, it's a high skill, it's a high skill job. And, you know, people, a lot of people don't always understand or realize what's involved in manufacturing and, and especially with the youth. They go to school, so they know what it is to be a teacher. They see a teacher, so they know what it's, they have an understanding of what a, a day at school looks like. They go to the mall, so they understand what retail looks mm -hmm. like. They they might go to a restaurant and understand what that looks like. They're not walking into a shop and seeing things happen. So if you're driving by an industrial park, you see these buildings, you have no idea, no concept of what's going on inside. Just that so every so often a truck shows a up truck and a shows truck leaves. Up. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. But it is amazing. I think what's what's neat too is a lot of these opportunities, you can develop those skills. And as you mentioned, there's pathways to move up. Uh, so you can learn those skills while you're on the floor and there's opportunities to progress. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. There's, you know, one of the challenges we have in a small operation is there's, there's ways to move up, but there's also limitations. Mm-hmm. One of the challenges is a, a lot of the younger people coming into a job today have an expectation that they want to know what their path is. They want, they want communication. They want a definition of, I got to go from step one to step two to step three. I want to know if, 
you know, what do I need to do to get to step two? And they want, and, and in a small business, sometimes it's hard to define that. It's, it's you're gonna do today what we need to have done today. It might yeah. not be part of your job description. It's, some people love that, some people hate that. Some people want this clearly defined ladder. And in a small business and manufacturing, it's less clear, it's more of a, you're here today, so here we go, <laughs> Put a, strap, up, <laughs> strap up the bootstraps, right? And here's, here's what we're doing multiple today, hats, right? Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. So. In a family-owned business, everybody must participate. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, that's a different dynamic for sure. <laughs> and, and so one of the things that Kat and I wanted to really touch on is the fact that 85 years, uh, Roslo Tool and Die has been a family-run business. Right. Uh, for a lot of businesses, it's hard just trying to pass it on to the second generation, never mind the fact that you now have four, four. generations involved. Right. Can you tell us a little bit about that family history, that 85 years <laughs> worth of family history and, and how it's remained a family business this far into it? Yeah, we're, we're blessed. A lot, of, um, a lot of things have to happen for that, that transition to happen, yeah. you know, and, and it has to be the right mindset. And I think... It's having a healthy, a healthy opinion about money, a healthy opinion about your value and your worth, a healthy opinion about understanding what you do matters. And even though something might seem like a, a more mundane task, understanding how that matters as much as something else that, that might be perceived as, as, a, as a bigger deal, but mm -hmm. um, in being willing to work together, because if it becomes... If it becomes a Stephen Rochelow show, it's gonna it's gonna blow up. Right. right. It needs to be. We need to know what we need to do together. And I think we've been blessed with the the family members that have been involved here have that uh, ability to to kind of focus in in that way. We had seven of us involved that took over from, you know, inside of my grandfather had four sons and a daughter that were here, then transitioned to uh, seven of us cousins at cousin level. And now uh, in the fourth generation, we have five uh, fourth generation members that are that are here that are very active members in, of, of the company. Now for you, was it always in the cards that you were going to work here or were you like, I might want to do something else? Or did you always think I want to continue you know, the legacy that, that was built with my family name? Yeah, there was a part of me, I think, that always, always expected or thought that there would be an opportunity to be here. I, I thought I would work on the outside first for a while and come back, but didn't I, I ended up coming in straight from college and straight here and, and worked out on the uh, shop floor for seven or eight years before moving back into the office and starting in, in a sales function. So. And you mentioned earlier kind of knowing all the functions. Do you think having spent so many years on that shop floor helped you to be the successful leader that you are with the company today? Uh, it's invaluable. The time spent... Um, Traveling to customer locations, doing field service, doing machine installations, uh, building equipment allows me to know um, what needs to be done on the floor, but also from a customer perspective, what's ex what's expected from their end. And right. The ability to walk into somebody's plant and have a meaningful conversation with their technicians and 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 they're like, "Oh, you actually know how this works, right?" And so it, <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, it, it it's not just a sales guy coming in. It's it's somebody, your name's on it, and you should know, you better know about it, right? Yeah, and your your children are also now mm -hmm. working here. My oldest daughter is working here yeah. now, yeah, yeah. And so 
you know, you have your last name on this. I mean, it's not just a business. It's your family's business. Right. So when you see your daughter coming up and beginning to take some of the reins, is that, that just must make you feel like there's some longevity. There's even another generation interested in this. And it, it speaks volumes to the family and the business that you're running. But it must it must make you feel so proud to know that another generation of Rochelot will be here and help continue the name. Right. It is. And, you know, my, my daughter's uh, been a new addition here. Um, we're very fortunate. We've got some of my cousins that have been here in the fourth generation for over 10 years now. So yeah. this is not a new, it's not a new thing. It's something we've been uh, fostering this relationship for a long time. And I'm, whether it's my daughter or son or niece or nephew or cousin, it's, it's all family. I yeah. think about it very much the same. There's not, uh, yeah. Yeah, I love the fact that there are Rochelot products around the world. Right. Right. And I know you do a lot of traveling. Is that is that something that you've always enjoyed being a part of that and, and doing the traveling to talk about the machines around the world? It's It can be interesting. It can be demanding at times. And, um, yeah, traveling, sometimes waking up in a hotel room halfway around the world and we're talking <laughs> to a big consumer packaging company yeah. and here we are a little 50 person shop in, yeah. in in north central mass and i'm like god how did you decide to put me here today right <laughs> how did i how do i have the right to be here but we do we yeah. do it, it you yes. do have the right we, yeah. we do have the right and it's like yeah it's it's exciting that in a small in a small company atmosphere that we have the exposure to both the large size companies and companies around the world so it's pretty pretty neat and so when this company first started 85 years ago um, were there ever was it ever in the cards that it would go international the way it has and and how is the the products that you manufacture for these other businesses how has that changed over the years? Yeah, so the first thirty years, really, we were a job shop and doing a lot of local work. Um, so into the nineteen fifties and early nineteen sixties, with the really the birth of the plastics industry mm-hmm. in this area, a lot of the job shop work that my grandfather was doing. Um, became plastics related. Um, he had another side item that they made grinding, cutter grinding fixtures. That so we always made our own product as well as doing job shop work. But in the 1960s, when his plastics really started blossoming in this area, we expanded into building machinery. And at that time, with the plastics machinery through the early 70s, probably I want to say it was early 1970s when they sold the. First machine internationally to Mexico. Wow! So it's been a long time. Really, 50, more than fifty years ago. That's amazing. Exporting exporting equipment. So it was just something. I guess once they started building machinery, that became a more of an international push. And at the beginning, it was probably more Canada, Mexico than than some of the more exotic places <laughs> now. But it's um, yeah, that that's continued to grow. It's great that, you know, a piece of manufacturing um, just right here in North Central. And I know that there are several manufacturers, actually, that have become world-renowned for what they do. Um, but that you, you know, it, it over 50, you know, 50 years ago, started to export into Mexico already. Right, right. That's amazing. That's an amazing right. legacy. Right. Well, and so many times, too, I think we think of products that are imported here. And mm. you don't think the fact that here's a manufacturer that's able to successfully export amazing products around the world yeah and, and really and kind of dominate yeah it's um yeah and it's it's, it's funny because we find ourselves in different positions um on certain projects sometimes we're competing against 
very expensive high-end European equipment. Sometimes we're competing against low-cost um, equipment from other parts of the world. So sometimes we're the expensive option and sometimes we're the cheap option. <laughs> and, and you've got to kind of figure out your, your place in the market and where, you, where your strengths are and what kinds of... You know, I think one of the things that allow us to be successful everywhere is we know what applications we're really strong at. Mm -hmm. and we're not afraid to go anywhere for that kind of business. But we also know that we're not capable of doing all things for all people and willing to spread ourselves too thin mm -hmm. in places that we can't be successful. So saying no sometimes is as important as getting the job. And I think that's something important because I think sometimes people in different industries are too afraid to say no and not realize that you can really hurt yourself by overextending in that regard. Oh, yeah. yeah. We only have so many resources in a small company. We can't dedicate everybody to a project that we can't win. Right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's, yeah, to pick and yeah, choose your you battles. pick and choose your battles, right? Well, I have to say that I am not going to look at any of the products at my house again the same. Right. And I hope that everyone uh, appreciates their cider right? a little more <laughs> from uh, Red Apple Farm and... Right. Uh, I just think that it's just a fascinating story that so many products around the world that everyone has in their house right now was probably made. The packaging was made <laughs> on a Rochelot tool and die right here in Fitchburg. <laughs> right. One of those machines was made here. Well, Steve, thank you so much for being a part of the podcast today. We'll be back with another new episode next week. Thank you. Thanks for, uh, thanks for coming out. Happy to participate. Thank you, Steve. You've been listening to inside North central Massachusetts. This podcast is produced by the North Central Massachusetts Chamber of Commerce. For more information on this episode, links to other episodes, or if you have any questions, please visit northcentralmass.com.